0: You guys doing? Woo! Great to see you today. Well, I want to first of all say thank you for being here. I want to welcome in all of our campuses, but today is a unique day. We actually have our Padre Allen people here with us today. Let's give it up for these Padre Allen people. We love you guys. Glad you're with us today. And so we're redoing their facility right now and they needed just a couple weeks out of the building so they could get some AC in there and, and uh, work on some things. So anyways, we're super excited about Padre too. It's going to be beautiful when it's done. And so fired up to, to have you guys here as well. So thanks for your flexibility today. I want to again, welcome everyone for being here. Those of you who are with us online as well. Thanks for joining us in our prison ministry. Let's give it up for prison ministry. Yay! We're grateful for you guys. really are. I'm excited about today's message. You know, we've been talking about protecting our families and what that looks like. And today I'm going to get into some details of that. And so today I want to talk about a guy that I rarely rarely have ever preached about, a guy named Jeremiah. Jeremiah was actually called the weeping prophet. And some people have even called him the prophet of doom. But actually, if you study him, he wasn't a doomsday kind of guy. He was actually saying, here's the reality of where we are as a nation, and we need to face the reality and be faithful to God anyways in the middle of it. And so, because basically Israel had kind of walked away from God, and they had gotten caught up in their own philosophies, and they began to do things that didn't honor God, and they began to believe lies. That sounds like a country I know. And so Jeremiah really is a great reflection of what we're facing right now as a nation and as people and as families and how we have to take that stand to say, even if everyone else doesn't follow God, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're (laughs) going to put God first. We've made that decision. And so that's what Jeremiah's about. Yep. Jeremiah dealt with depression. Did you know that about Jeremiah? He was called the weeping prophet. And he dealt with depression, but the the part that no one wants to talk about today, people are like, oh, depression's up, why is that? Well, it's because people are looking around realizing our world's jacked up. And so it's discouraging if you go on Twitter and everyone's fighting, you watch the news and everyone's at each other's throats, it's discouraging. And so it can lead to depression, but actually God wants us to learn to be faithful in the middle of all that. So we're gonna unpack a little bit of Jeremiah's, uh, Jeremiah's story today, but it may start off a little negative, but hang with me, it's gonna get real positive really fast. So let's jump into Jeremiah chapter 29 and look at what God has to speak to us today. Today's message is actually called Leading Your Family in a Broken Nation. And so I really believe, I think God's hand's still in our nation, but I believe in many ways our nation's broken right now. And uh, I'm not trying to be political today, but there's no way around it from the standpoint that when you have leaders openly making decisions at all levels of leadership, whether that's state, local, national, but also major institutions are just walking away from the basic principles of God's truth. And so, but I want to encourage you not to be shocked or surprised. How do non-Christians act? Like non-Christians. So the problem is when Christians act like non-Christians, right? And so we have to stay faithful. So let's jump into scripture here because Jeremiah gives us the way to live faithful in an unfaithful world. Look at what he says. First off, Jeremiah 29 verse 8. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. Now, this is really important. Israel, their economy had dropped so low and because of that, their military had dropped so low and so they couldn't get recruits. People weren't interested in defending a country they didn't believe in. And so the country got weaker and weaker. It got so weak that another big country near it called Babylon took them over and God allowed it. And Jeremiah was trying to tell these false prophets. He's trying to say they, these false prophets kept saying like, oh, it's not that bad. So no big deal. God's still with us. We're fine. This is like a vacation. We're not really under captivity. And Jeremiah is like, you guys are lying through your teeth. This didn't happen because of a weak military. This didn't happen because of a bad economy. A weak military and a bad economy happened because we walked away from God. And so we need to recognize our issues in our world today are not economic. They are spiritual. And God has allowed our economy to become weaker, our military to become weaker. Why? Because we're not honoring God in our nation. That's actually what's going on. And Jeremiah called it out, and I'm calling it out too. So we need to put God first again. It's critical. So check this out. So the very first thing Jeremiah says is something we're gonna have to learn to do with our kids. He says, hey, you're about to to hear a bunch of lies. These prophets are talking, all that's made up. None of that's from God. And I wanna encourage you to do this. In a world full of disinformation, full of lies, this is really important. Number one, get in front of false teaching. What does that mean for parents? Parents, that means utilize the power of a pre-talk. This is so important. Before you send your kid off to college, before you send your kid off to nowadays preschool, Say, you're gonna hear some things, they're gonna tell you these things, but we don't believe that. So you gotta get in front of it. You gotta say, you're gonna hear these things, but that's not what God's word says. So you need to know we're different. We don't believe those things. So you have to say it up front and before they hear it. And so what happened was we got caught, you know, c- kind of like back on our heels, like what's going on? Because we didn't realize what was being taught. But now we do know, and so when you know better, do better. And so let's get in front of it and let's pre-talk our children and say, you're gonna hear these things, but that doesn't mean it's truth. And so you got a challenge with that. So let me jump into that right now since I've already offended people, let's keep going. So check it out. (laughs) Jeremiah 29 goes on to say this, send an open letter. This is what the Lord says concerning Shemaiah. This is one of the false prophets. He has prophesied to you when I did not send him and has tricked you into believing his lies. I will punish him. None of his descendants will see the good things I will do for my people. I, the Lord, have spoken. So this is really important. We gotta learn to do this. We gotta learn to call out lies as you hear them. Call out lies as you hear them. Guys, I got some great news for you. The truth is on our side. And so you know when you have the truth you don't have to scream it you can just say it. Yes. When you don't have the truth is when you get into dogma where people yell and yell and yell at you because they think volume changes it into the facts when it does not. Yes. So I want to encourage you I'm not saying calling out lies means you have to be a jerk about it. Means you have to be obnoxious no not at all. Do it in love. But hold the line. I want to give you really quickly four lies our culture is telling us right now and see if you don't recognize in our culture, in our culture today these same lies that you've been told. And whether it's on social media, whether it's in education, whether it's uh, from government policy, there's lots of different ways. And let me be real clear. There are great Christians that work in all three of those industries. There are great believers that work in the media. There are great believers that work in education and work for our government. But unfortunately, there's a big narrative that people are trying to shove lies down our throats. And one of the biggest ones is this. Here's one of them. is that Here's one of the lies that culture is teaching us. You can choose your own sex. That is simply a lie. Genesis chapter 1 makes it real clear. God created man in his own image, male and female. He created them. There is not a third gender. There's only two genders. God made them. And it's not your choice. God chose that for you. This is why we have a gender reveal Is because we already know whether it's a boy or a girl. Does that make sense? This isn't a choice that you make. And I'm not trying to, to badger anyone, make you feel guilty. And if you have a friend who is transgender, I do too have friends like this. And I will lovingly tell them, I'm sorry, but God already made you a certain way. And when you try to violate that, you're only hurting yourself. I have a very good friend who's a Christian counselor, and he told me this, he said, when young people come in and tell me they think they're the opposite sex, when I dig down and do counseling with them, here's what I always find out. They've had trauma and they're looking for acceptance and approval. And so they don't need someone to cut down here, we need to help them up here. Does that make sense? So listen, I'm saying this with compassion, okay? Over 20 years ago was my first experience with someone who was transgender. I don't think they used a the term then, but this person came to me because one of our greeters said, Hey, I have a situation. When you know what to do, they, want, they said, Pastor, when you know what you want to do, this person is asking for a third bathroom. I was like, I, I don't understand. I'd never heard of this before in my life. There wasn't exactly a seminary class on this. I didn't know what I was dealing with. What do you mean? Well, so I went out to meet this person and I could not, and I'm not being insulting but I'm sure you've had this experience. I could not tell physically whether this was a boy or a girl. I could not tell. That was by their design. They intentionally were doing that. I think it was a girl dressing and cutting her hair like a boy, but I don't know. It was th- they were that good. It was that, uh, you know, to where it was almost androgynous. I couldn't tell either way. But with compassion, I said, hey, what's going on? I heard you're upset. Well, you don't have a third bathroom. I was like, what do you mean? Well, you have a men's restroom and women's restroom, but where's the third bathroom? I said, for who? For me, I was like, well, but you're either a man or you're a woman. Well, but what if I'm not either? I was like, but you are. And I finally had to say, look, I know you may not agree with me, but our policy, and I was making it up as I went. I had no policy. I didn't know I needed a policy. <laughs> but just my gut, you know, your gut speaks to you, doesn't it? Yes. You know, trust that gut. When you hear something and you're going, you ever had the, you know, the head tilt where you're like, what? I'm... And so I said, look, however you were born, God created that. So that's the bathroom you should use. And so, and we just said, that's our policy. And they were very upset. I wasn't going to build a third bathroom. I was like, no, we're not going to do that because it's not going to help you. It's going to hurt you. Instead, recognize how God made you. It's a gift. It's a gift. The sex God gave you. Don't reject the gift God gave you. And so, and here's my question for those who believe in transing children or even transing adults. Here's my question for you. If a person's genitals do not determine their gender, how does removing them change their gender? Just a simple question. And so the truth is it doesn't. The issue is not your gender. The issue is your mentality. It's called gender dysphoria. And for years in psychology, they knew this term and they've had this for hundreds of years. And so, and it's still called that, but but playing like that's normal is not helping them. And now here's the, let me go ahead and say the phrase for you for those who are mad at me with their arms crossed right now. I can't believe this is going to lead to more suicides. Actually, we now have stats. The suicides have not dropped. Why? Because cutting someone doesn't fix a mental disorder. The issue is not physical, it's mental. So let's have compassion care for people, but let's also speak truth that God made our gender. We are not God. We do not choose this. The Lord chooses this. And then we honor the choice he's made. Does that make sense? Okay. On that same note, one of the second biggest lies our culture has been saying, and they've been saying this for decades, by the way, is no sexual limits equals freedom. It doesn't. No sexual limits actually equals bondage. Let me give you scripture on this. Galatians 5 says this The cravings of the self are obvious sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their quote unquote freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? What does that mean? It means God has blessings for you. You're going to thwart the blessings of God by not living within the limits of God when it comes to your sexuality. What does this mean? I have good friends that uh, male friends that when I was in high school and college knew them, they just did whatever they wanted with whoever would be willing. It did not help them. It hurt them in life. It affects their their marriage. It affects their, they they carry a lot of shame. They're dealing with a lot of pain and and problems. And a lot of it's addictive. And so I just, I just need to let you know, you know, like when you hear about the celebrity who is sleeping with all kinds of people constantly. And a lot of men secretly are like, oh, that'd be great. They first start off doing it because they have access and, and these women are willing because they're just famous, but eventually they can't stop. It's addicting. It's, it's, it's not, it, it goes from, this is fun to I can't get off this ride. And let me tell you something else. If you, if you ask any clinical psychologist about pornography, when someone is deep into it and they watch it again and again and again, their tastes change to younger and younger and younger and younger. And now they're trying to change the language. They're no longer saying pedophilia. Guess what the new word is? Minor attracted people. Why would they need to change that word from pedophilia? They're trying to destigmatize adults sleeping with children. Now, let's just fast forward five years, probably not even five, by the way, at the speed we're going, there's going to be a day that your daughter, your granddaughter comes home and says, listen, I mean, I love my coach and, and we love each other. I know he's 40 and I'm, I'm 13, but we really genuinely love each other. This is where this is going, guys. And so let's, honor, let, let's recognize this now and realize this is wrong. Listen, no society has survived this. You want to look at the fall of Rome? Go look it up. They fell because they began to make these kind of decisions and make new social norms of sexuality and it destroyed their nation. Your freedom is going to cost us our nation. And so it really matters. Let me give you another example. Uh, And and I want to quote this very carefully so you hear my heart behind it. But there was a big push about 20 years ago. And it's now full blown. It's not even a push anymore. It's just accepted everywhere. And that is gay marriage. And, and, And I want to be real careful when I say this. I'm not trying to pick on any particular group. But I want to talk about this because people told us, all the people pushing for this, said this is all we want, just gay marriage. But it isn't all they want, is it? Now it's gone way past that. Now they're like, well, can we marry three people, four people? You know, I think recently in Europe, a woman married her dog. No lie. I can only imagine how that was consummated. The Bible talks about that, bestiality. None of this is new, guys. This is just sin repackaged. It's all it is. And so, but but did you know, according to Slate Magazine, Slate Magazine is an openly gay magazine that supports a gay lifestyle. So they are for this. They were saying this openly and proudly that the average homosexual man sleeps with roughly 24 different partners a year. That's crazy, right? But the average homosexual married man, married to another man, sleeps with an average of eight people a year. So see, when they said they were fighting for gay marriage, for just they just want gay people to get married like normal heterosexual people do, that's not normal. Do you think it's normal to sleep with eight different people if you're married? So really what's going on is we're not making gay marriage, we're destroying marriage. And now what do you hear people saying now? They're saying the nuclear family's bad. See, now we're finally seeing the mask taken off that they want to destroy the family. Why? Because the family unit is the place where you can make personal decisions and no one can interrupt. And we can say, and as for my family, we're serving the Lord. And they don't like that. That's why they lie to us. So let me keep going. Now, here's the third lie that we hear a lot. um, And that is that stuff will satisfy. This is a very common lie. But Paul speaks to this very directly. In fact, it's one of the most famous verses, if not the most famous verse of all time. Yet many people don't know the context. Paul wrote this verse when he was in prison. I've been to his prison cell. It's in Rome. When he got to Rome, he was in prison as soon as he got there. And uh, the prison was underneath the palace. And it was in the sewage system. It's about four and a half feet tall, which means a grown man cannot stand up in it. You can never stretch out. You can't stand up in it. And because your prison cell is actually part of a giant sewage system, then he was standing or sitting in feces and urine from other people running through his toes. And that's where he wrote these words. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's when he wrote that verse. What was he saying? He was saying, hey, Pharaoh, you can throw everyone's crap at me all you want. I can do this through Christ. I'll be just fine. That's what he was saying. And the reason I want to bring this up is because we have a lie in our culture today, a lie that says stuff will satisfy. You. If I just own more things, a bigger house, bigger car, you know, nicer outfits. Or, or how about this? Fame will satisfy. You, you can change the words out. maybe it's stuff for you. Maybe it's fame. Maybe it's who you know will satisfy. You. Who you're with will satisfy. You. Where you go will satisfy you. Some people are always moving because they're like, they think there's some kind of zip code that's just pure bliss. Like everyone that lives there is totally happy all the time. That's ridiculous. But people fall for this. So maybe this is a lie that the culture has sold you. If I just had more followers, if I was just a little prettier or skinnier or or smarter, or if I just had this or had that, or could could be with this person or that person, if I could just, what is it for you? If I could just, if I could just, And, and happiness is always just out of reach. It's a lie the world sells. If things and fame satisfied, then why do we have celebrities taking their life? Why do celebrities go to rehab? What are you trying to escape? Your life seems perfect to everyone else. And yet you got to drink yourself to death. What's going on? Because the world is lying to you. That things, that fame, that, that fortune will, will bless you. And it, it's not the answer. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but there's, there's no satisfaction in that. Christ is the only thing that will satisfy your soul. That's it. And the fourth lie that the culture is telling us, again, I could spend all day, I could just got, probably add another 500 lies, but there's the fourth lie that, that kind of summarizes all of the ones we just talked about. And the lie is that truth is relative. This is a big one. I want to read a scripture to you. Matthew 7 says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock, the rock being Christ in his word. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built this house on the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Listen, I want to encourage you to understand this. If you begin to make truth relative, what is, what is another word for relative? Personal. Well, it's my truth. Yeah, I love this. Well, I'm just telling you my truth. There's no my truth and your truth. There's the truth. And so let me give you an example. Here's my truth versus the truth. Uh, Two guys are both stand on the edge of a 10-story building, and one says, I believe in gravity. The other one says, I don't believe in gravity. They both step off. They're both going down. You see, your belief or lack of belief doesn't change the truth. Does that make sense? Please don't test that one. I do not recommend that. In the same way, when I hear people say, well, I don't believe in God, I just smile and you think, do you think that makes them go away? Just because you don't believe in him, doesn't, you, don't think he's you don't think his son still rose again from the grave? We have all this historical evidence, that doesn't change any of that, just because you don't believe him. I'm not a cowboy fan, but I still think they exist. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. I, mean, I just call them the cowgirls, but whatever, that's a whole other message. It's all right, I'll stop, I'll stop, I'll stop. Okay, I'm just a bitter person, leave me alone, Okay because my Texans are somehow still terrible. I don't know how they do that, but amazing. So the law. We're experiencing some disruptions in service right now. I apologize for that. It's the cowboy fans doing it too. I just want to point that out. That's who's disrupting. Truth is not relative, it's truth. And so God is real. God's word is true. And, and, and there's no changing that. and so. But I want to encourage you with these lies, rather than screaming and yelling at each other, rather than arguing with people. I've never argued anyone into change. But I've had nice, lots of discussions with people where we talk openly about things and dialogue. And here's my favorite line to say when someone begins to tell me about a non-truth that they believe. Is I just simply smile and say, how's that working for you? Because it doesn't work. Eventually, lies break you. And so this is why Jesus came. He said, the law will break you. Jesus says, but I have come come to complete the law. He doesn't abolish the truth. He says, I've come to complete the law. I've fulfilled it, and I've gone to the cross to make up for the fact that we can't fulfill the law, that we're not good enough, but Jesus is good enough. He's enough. This is why we all need the cross. Praise God, he's still enough. He's enough for you. Don't buy the lie that you need more. You just need him. He's what we need. I want to keep going. Let me, let me talk. Look what happens next. This is what Jeremiah does. This is, this is where he turns the corner. So he, at first it sounds negative because he tells Israel, hey, look, we're in captivity. And all these, these false prophets are saying, oh, we're fine. We're good with God. Everything's fine. And he's like, no, we're not. And this, and this captivity is not going away. What Jeremiah was doing when he said that was not being discouraging. He was saying, we need to face a reality. And I want to tell you something. This is going to sound a little discouraging, but I want to help you. I need to let you know, if you're waiting for America to become super Christian again, you may be waiting a long time. And so rather than that, and believe me, I want it too. Nothing will make me happier than for our nation to turn around and everyone drop their knees and say, we need God. I would love that. And I pray for that. I really do. But the Bible is also very clear that nations will rise and nations will fall. But we will all one day be at this foot of the cross. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Either on this side of eternity or on the other side of eternity. It doesn't change that reality. So look what he says. Jeremiah 29. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for seven years. That's the bad news. He's like, hey, Israel's not really turning around. Just letting you know, not for a long time. He says, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I promised and I will bring you home again. And then he said these famous lines. I want you to understand the context. Then Jeremiah said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I'll listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. Did you know that this verse... This is the context of the famous verse that so many people quote. For I know the plans how he declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to bless you. Did you know he wrote that in the darkest of moments? I think we think that verse is written like on some kind of positive manifesto that God gave us. No, it was written when he was saying, oh yeah, Israel, it ain't turning around anytime soon. It's jacked up. But, and I love that but, but I got a great plan for you and your family. What's Jeremiah saying? He's saying, because you're faithful, even if the nation falls apart, you won't. Even if the nation goes to crap, your family's not going to because you're honoring God. Your life will be good if you'll just continue to put God first. God will bless that. You know, some of us have lots of reasons in our mind as to why we should just give up, lose hope, quit, just say, you know, I'm just done. I'm not going to honor God. But there's never an excuse for that. We should always put God first, honor him. Even when things are tough, even when things are difficult, continue to honor God. Here's a great example of a young man who in all the difficulties he faces is still honoring God. This is my friend, Jared.